Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. All the polls still have Joe Biden ahead of Donald Trump as we head into the final days of campaigning in the US presidential election. Former Vice President Joe Biden has an 11-point lead over President Trump. New NBC polling shows Biden nearly doubling his lead. The polls are pointing to a blue wave. But while we read stories about who these two men really are and what they stand for, do you ever truly get a sense of who a man is if you've never met them in person? He's a very decent person. He's humble, he's empathetic. He's really on the ball and he's very directed and motivated. Today, we hear from people who've spent time with both Joe Biden and Donald Trump to see whether they are really who they seem to be. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now, you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Looking at all the polls across the US right now and Joe Biden is ahead in pretty much all of them. CNN has Trump at 42% to Biden's 52. 538 poll is the same. Real Clear is 42 to 50. Economist 40 to 47. And IBD has Biden on 49%, opposed to Trump on 44. The debates are now done, and early votes are pouring in in record numbers. So, how do we know which man really is the better man, not just for the job, but as a human being? As none of us have had the ability to sit down with them individually to have a chat, we reached out to those who've known both men personally. Jeff Blaish met Joe Biden when he was working for the Futures Without Violence Foundation in the 1990s and has worked with him on and off for 20 years, during several administrations and while he was the US ambassador to Australia. He says he remembers the first time he ever spent time with the former vice president and now presidential candidate. I had a great first impression of him. I was working on a group that was focused on ending youth violence. And we had been studying the causes of violence among young people. And the greatest single predictor is violence in your home. And so we were looking for champions in Congress who would help us focus on domestic violence. And he was the first person to raise his hand. He led an effort to pass a new law, the Violence Against Women Act, in Congress. And he was also just a good person to hang out with. I remember we had this event where he was the fifth senator to speak. And he said, this is exactly like the U.S. Senate. Everything's been said already, it's just not everyone said it yet. (laughs) And so he he had a good sense of humour about himself. What kind of man would you say Joe Biden is? He's exactly what he appears to be. He's a very decent person. 
he's humble, he's empathetic, he's never forgotten his roots. He's genuine. I mean, you bump into him and he tells you what's on his mind and he really wants to know what's on yours. And it's not a politician trick kind of thing. It's he's genuinely curious. He's very policy oriented, cares a lot about getting policy right and doesn't love politics. He was sort of lucky that he was a senator in a safe seat from Delaware where he did not spend all of his time raising money and dealing with the inside game of politics. It allowed him to really focus on serving people and the job of governing. A lot of the narrative around Joe Biden now is that he's a bit too laid back and that he's not aggressive enough to run the free world, essentially. What would you say to that? Do you think Joe Biden has what it takes to actually run the country? (laughs) He's an iron fist and a velvet glove. He is sweet and jocular and you can get along with him easily. But on the other hand, when he cares about something, there's nothing that's going to stop him. I mean, you look at driving the healthcare bill through, saving General Motors and the U.S. auto industry, managing us out of the global financial crisis and really keeping his eye on the ball of the middle class. When you get him on serving the rights of other people, there's no one more fierce. The thing that people mistake is they see him talking about himself and think he's too laid back, he's too humble, you know, you need him to be tougher. He doesn't fight for himself, he fights for other people. And he put a mission in front of him where he's there to serve someone else and he is fierce and really inspiring. Now, you said you have worked with him over the years. What's a day in the life of working with Joe Biden like? It's nice. It's inspiring. It's got surprises in it. I'll give you a couple of examples from Australia. We had a meeting with the Prime Minister and Julie Bishop was there and a number of other Australian leaders. And when then Foreign Minister Bishop first arrived, someone mentioned that it was her birthday that day. But he said, oh, it's wonderful. It's your birthday. Are you going to get a cake? And she was like, no, I've got a busy day, but I'm sure at the end of it, I'll have a chance. I was like, well, you know, we deserve a cake. It's your birthday. You don't want to miss that. And so while we were sitting there, he started going off on a few stories and kept us longer than we expected in Europe. We were there for 40 minutes. And people thought, you know, he must be running late. Why is he doing this? But no one wanted to leave. And then someone came out with a cake. And he'd actually arranged for them to get a cake without us noticing that there was your happy birthday. So that's the kind of person he is. We went to events in the White House together, and I remember at one point, I'm standing in line after the event celebrating Mexico's National Day, and, you know, the vice president's in line with me to get tacos. <laughs> I'm like, you know, probably someone would bring you a taco there. He's like, yeah, no, I, I like putting my own stuff on it, and I like talking to people. <laughs> so he's just real. At the same time, laser-like mind. You want to talk about challenges that the U.S. is facing? He is thinking about them constantly. And we, we'd have conversations where he'd have these revelations about people losing faith in democracy. And he had really deep insights and a broad understanding of what was going on in the world. So it's the whole mix. It's someone who is fascinating to talk to on the hardest issues facing the world. And at the same time, he's also happy to tell you what his favorite kind of soda is and, you know, what he likes to put on his taco. So he's a wonderful person to spend time with and to learn from. What kind of president do you think Mr. Biden will be? Well, I think he'd govern in very much the same way as President Obama. They fought in very much the same terms. There were some areas where they disagreed on policy, but by and large, 
the broader focus of the presidency in terms of respect for institutions, respect for alliances and partnerships around the world, very clear-eyed focus on what are the challenges for us and our allies, and a, a faith in science and in experts, and understand that the president's role is to both set a moral tone and a vision for where the country needs to be and how to help us get there together. I think that defines Joe Biden. And Joe in particular, I think, just has a really curious mind. He wants to know more detail about what's going on out there so he can make the best decision. And it's a combination of wanting to know the facts, but he also wants to know how people are feeling. He understands that that can be just as important as a specific policy is how people feel about it in addition to what it actually does for them. One of the only people who worked with Donald Trump who isn't under a non-disclosure agreement and who is willing to talk about her experience with him before he was president is Barbara Ress. Barbara was the executive VP in charge of construction and development at the Trump Organization and was the one who helped him build Trump Tower. She has told various media outlets in the US since Trump put his hand up to run in 2016 that people ask her all the time what her former boss is really like. He's better than some and worse than others. I mean, you know, I've worked for a lot of big developers. They're all smart. They're all shrewd. They all try to cheat the subcontractors, you know, so he fits in that group. And he's he's a very smart guy and he's a quick study. I mean, he's That's he's really on the ball and he's very directed and motivated. He's just going in the wrong direction. Barbara says while she was given an opportunity that no other woman would have back in the 1970s and 80s to lead these massive building projects and that she has Trump to thank for that, she says just because he gave her a chance doesn't mean he doesn't have a problem with women, especially those who challenge him. Yes, he changed how he behaved towards me and he changed in how he behaved towards women in general as I perceived it. Initially, we were very close, and he was very reserved in his way of talking about women and things like that, and very respectful of women. Later on, he got a little different. He started acting a little bit like macho, and he did the Playboy shoot, which I was appalled at, and honestly took that very badly. And then all of a sudden, he started talking about women, and he was leering at the women in the office. So he actually changed in the way he was treating women. And a lot of that had to do, I think, with Ivana, and their breakup because they were pretty close-knit and she kept him under control. When I was there, he did have a lot of powerful women and he did absolutely listen to us. But a telling thing is what he said to me when he hired me. He said, men are better than women, but a good woman is better than 10 good men. And it took me until now, and with my child's help, to really understand that he was sort of taking advantage of the fact that I, being a woman, would work harder and smarter and probably for less money. But he told me that he really believed women were inferior to men, and I see that. But he struggled with Pelosi, and he struggled with her because she had as much power as he did, whereas Hillary was an ex-Secretary of State, but she wasn't equal to him. One thing that many of the people who've been around Donald Trump say about him is that he is very charismatic. Fashion designer Nicole Miller had nothing but positive things to say about her experience with Trump. He does have a sense of humor, and he does look you directly in the eye, and he's very, um, he's very friendly. He's very friendly and very engaging. I think Donald Trump is definitely a family man. I think he's very, um, you know, very proud of his kids, and his kids are really fabulous. I mean, I only really know Ivanka, but she's really lovely and clearly, you know, been very well brought up and 
she's just a lovely, lovely girl. And I know he's just very, very involved with his kids. And his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who also works alongside him in the White House, says he's very funny. When you're with him, he has a great sense of humor. And I find the media doesn't do a good job. They tend to lose their sense of humor when it comes to him. But, you know, he'll be sarcastic or he'll joke. But he's got a very good sense of irony. And it's never boring. But Barbara says that is how Mr Trump did business. He works hard to get what he wants. And he can be very nice to your face, like he was to the men who built Trump Tower. So way back, the 78, when I started working on the Hyatt, he'd go around with contractors and he'd glad hand them and he'd put his thumb on their back. How are you doing? What do you think of my building? Isn't this great? Blah, blah, blah. He had no respect for them whatsoever. He just knew how to play it. And he knew that that would make him popular. And that's what he thought he needed to do. When you finish a project, you have a big celebration. It's called the topping out party. It's actually when you finish the structure. So when we told we had to plan this, he was, oh, great. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's going to be great, 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 great. And at some point in time, we mentioned, yeah, the men, you know, it's going to be hard to pull together with the men, you know, because we had so many. And Trump said, what are you talking about? I don't want them there. (laughs) I was like, but this Donald, this is for the the men. It was all men at the time and still is. Um, Not for the politicians and, and the owners and stuff, you know. And uh, it took us a long time to get him to actually, you know, well, can't we just have the foreman? Do we have to have the men? You know, I'm, I'm going to have champagne here and caviar. I mean, I, this is not for construction workers. And it was very, very telling to me because it just, it was not even a thought to him. He had absolutely no regard for these people that were building this building for him. No regard at all. It is now a week until America officially goes to the polls. And depending on which poll you put stock in, Joe Biden is set to win on November 3. But there is a spanner in the works, and that involves another woman that Donald Trump has placed into a position of power. Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in this week as the justice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the Supreme Court. And one of the first cases she may have an influence on is the one that will decide whether the window to receive and count mail-in ballots can be extended. With so many votes coming in via mail, the US Postal Service may not be able to deliver them all in the time frame required for them to still be valid. So some states have asked for an extension, even if the postmark on them isn't legible to prove when they were sent. A move that Republicans in Pennsylvania, a crucial swing state, have asked the court to strike down. The Supreme Court voted on this last week and they are currently split for a side, with Conservative Chief Justice John Roberts siding with the three progressive justices on the matter. So if the court decides to hear the case before next week's election and Amy Coney Barrett sides with the Conservative justices, all those votes that are delivered past the deadline with an ineligible postal mark may not be counted. There's a similar case currently happening in North Carolina, with the window now pushed out to nine days from three. The federal appeals court has ruled in favour of the move, but Republicans are opposing it. It's believed mail-in votes are heavily weighted in favour of Democratic candidates. So, the first cases Amy Coney Barrett hears could determine who wins the 2020 US presidential election. In seven days, we may know the answer, or we may not. Watch this space. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri and guest booking by Mel Zauer.
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.